Need a break from the horrifying reality of real life? Well, do we have a sexy deal for you. Go to adamandeve.com and use our special code HORROR for 50% off almost any item and free shipping. That's H-O-R-R-O-R at checkout for 50% off and free shipping. Order now and get ready to... This gets grim. Hello, everybody. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 91 of I'm Horrified. 91. We didn't say it was episode 90 last time. No, we just kind of blazed right through. We gave it no <laughs> shrift. No nods. Um, but 91's pretty cool, 91's pretty cool. It's almost more impressive. Yeah. It's like a lot of people could make it to a nice round number, but 91? Then they quit. Then they quit. We beat that dead horse. We sure We dragged that horse up off the ground. Hell yeah. And we punch it in the face. Yes. Um, speaking of which, um, I'm, I just want you all to know that I'm recording <laughs> with a serious, I mean, my assumption is life-threatening injury. Yeah. And I would like to say that I was trying to murder her. So it's yeah. unfortunate that didn't work out. Sam accidentally put her chair on my foot. Mm-hmm. So if I die tonight. We know what happened. Go, you know, repossess her assets. Yeah. No, I would deserve it. I absolutely <laughs> would. <laughs> And I screamed and I screamed and I screamed. And I'm dog sitting right now. I'm dog sitting my mom and dad's fluffy little idiot dog. <laughs> I love I that. screamed so loud just because I'm a loud screamer. It like hurts. anytime I get hurt, even a little bit, yeah. I get a paper cut and I'm like, wah! But um, Chris was in the living room and he ran in and then he went back out to get me something and he was like, the dog didn't even like look up. <laughs> the dog didn't care. The so dog just nice. accepted whatever was happening in here. Like, whatever. She can rot. <laughs> um, but speaking of gross and deadly injury. Absolutely. I think it's perfect. I mean, I think I'm now in the right mindset. Yeah. To bring you a grisly tale. of. Yes. Um, I shouldn't joke about it. So many people died. Oh, um, but I mean, I'm going to joke about it a little bit because it happened in the 40s. Yeah. Um, but today I'm going to talk about the Coconut Grove fire. Which I've heard is like a Boston thing, but I literally know nothing about this. I didn't know anything about it. And I grew up here, so. I'm very excited to learn. And Sam, what are you going to talk about? Today I'm going to talk about the Snyder Cut. The Snyder Cut? The Snyder Cut. All right. <laughs> I don't know what that You're is. You're going to know what it is as soon as I start describing it. Oh, is it the, is it the, is it the cut of Justice League that was maybe by Zack Snyder and is better, but it's not, doesn't really exist and it's not better? Yes. Oh, I <laughs> thought it was like, um, when you, they cut your butthole open. No. When you're giving birth. No, that's when they, they, um, it was they deemed, sew you like, closed. Medically unnecessary. Yeah. No, that's the husband stitch. Oh, that's a stitch instead of a cut. Yeah. All right, all right, all right. And it's even shittier because it's called the husband stitch. We fucking should talk about that. I think you did mention it on here. Ugh. Ugh. But Anyways. so that's not that's not what I. That's was not this. That's fine. This Let's, is about nerd culture because I can only ever go like three episodes without talking about something nerdy, and I can only go a couple episodes without mass death. Yeah. Um. So we're both getting our fill here today. With that in mind, we forge ahead. <laughs> So, we live in Boston. We sure do. And as I just said, I was raised here. You were also born here, but you are more a product of upstate New York. That's true. That's um, true. You'd say that's where you're from. Yeah. But we're both we're both Bostonians yes. in, in different ways. I've now lived ways. more of my life in Massachusetts than I did in New York. So now you're a Bostonian. Fuck so now I'm, I'm totally a Bostonian. Um, no, everywhere's nice. Nice <laughs> to live anywhere. It's all, everything around this area is pretty much the same. On the East Coast. Woo! What, what? No, America's a beautiful place. Um, 
But anyways, I love doing stories from Boston when we can. And we we have done a good few of them. Yeah. I did the molasses flood. You did busing. Yeah. One of those is awful and funny. And the other one is just awful. Just awful. And as a big old city in America, a lot of things happen here. So that means a lot of terrible things happen here. Absolutely. Lots of crimes, murders, accidents. All bad stuff. And fires. Mm. And today we're going to talk about a fire. Um, the most deadly fire in nightclub history. Oh, man. Most deadly nightclub fire. I don't know what nightclub history is, but yeah. it's, the, it's the most deadly fire in a nightclub in history. I want to meet someone who's um, like a doctor in Ameri- of, in America, of nightclub history. Yeah, but maybe there's a bigger one in like, I don't know. Somewhere else. <laughs> Spain or yeah. London or something, but in America. And before we kick this segment off, just to get us in the mood, Sam, uh, burn or drown, which would you rather? That's a hard. <laughs> it's a toughie. Question. Mine is easy. Burn. Burn me up. I, I think, do not want to drown. I think I'm probably burn because I think I pass out from smoke That's inhalation. That's exactly what I thought. Exactly right. And if I don't, then I think I would pick drown, but then it would be too late. Yeah. <laughs> if you've already chosen, you can't back out. That's, yes. <laughs> All right. I feel ready now. The year is 1942. Uh-huh. You're in post-prohibition Boston. A party. Maybe you're working at a steel plant or something because it's still World War II. Mm-hmm. That's still going on. It's the past. And you and your gal pals are hitting the town tonight trying to catch some dick. Ooh. Some 1940s dick. You got your hair all up in their victory rolls. You have a merciless, mercilessly tight pencil skirt on. I love that. You look amazing. Yes. You look like Madonna in A League of Their Own. Ooh. Do you know what I'm saying? That's hot. That's hot. But by the end of this night, you... And everyone around you will be dead. That's less hot. And why? Because you chose to go get drinks at the Coconut Grove. Interesting. So let's back up. The Coconut Grove opens in 1927 Mm -hmm. at the height of Prohibition. Um, And it was on Shawmut Street in Boston, um, which I know of a Shawmut Street in the South End, but this this is not the South End. This was very near the Public Gardens downtown. And literally across the street... From where we had those $2 mimosas that we mentioned. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and Maggiato's Little Italy. Holy shit. Before we saw cats. Yes. <laughs> so uh, full circle. So a lot of bad things have happened there. Yeah. So <laughs> a lot of bad decisions made by corporate entities. It was originally financed by two orchestra leaders who wanted a venue for their music, as well as, like, we could also just, like, open a speakeasy. Yeah, it'd be easy. Um, yeah, and it subsequently opened that speakeasy and ended up being a water- watering hole for mafia members. Love it. Great business plan. Yeah. Um, and then in the 30s, it was sold to a mobster who was gunned down in Roxbury like the next year. And so then it was sold to another guy. I think his name was Boston Charlie. Love that. I love that for him. Yeah. For a couple years until he Call me that from now on. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, so then after Boston Charlie or you... Um, <laughs> It was sold to another guy who wasn't a mobster, but was friends with mobsters. He was also friends with the mayor, Mayor Tobin, of Boston's Tobin Bridge fame. Wow. Um, but Tobin, I think, was also friends with mobsters. So Yeah, everyone was kind of I mean, them. yeah, it was the 40s. What do you want? Maybe they all met at, like, one Tupperware party. I'm sure they They're did. all pals. Everybody knows everybody. <laughs> um, and also this guy, the owner, his name was Barney Wolonski. He would brag to customers about how he didn't need to worry about codes or violations or anything because he was friends with the mayor. <laughs> Which is, like, not what you want to be bragging about yeah. when people are in your establishment. Not a great brag. But in the 40s, the rules didn't matter. That's true. Um, Two, I think, will learn probably the detriment of all these people. Perhaps. That's my guess. Yes. So the Coconut Grove itself um, 
it was a it was like a separate club. Mm-hmm. So it was, you know, you could get dinner there, you could have drinks there, you could go dancing there. They had a roof that rolled back, so in the summertime you could like dance under the stars. Ooh. It was a very hot happening place, very popular. Um, I imagine it kind of like a 40s, slightly higher class Jimmy Buffett Margaritaville restaurant. Interesting. In theming, because like, or maybe this is better. Um, the restaurant that the two sisters in White Christmas perform in. Absolutely. When they're in Florida. I'm immersed. Um, so it was originally a collection of warehouses and garages, and it was turned into a series of dining rooms, bars, and lounges connected by hallways. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't a lot of open space, but it was a good amount of space. And it was entirely tropical themed. I love that. Tropical theming everywhere. Tropical, huge in the 40s. Yes, I love this. Um, hence the name. So not only did they have, like, colorful tablecloths and tropical plants, but, like, fake palm fronds and bamboo walls, Mm -hmm. like, bamboo coverings on the walls, and tapestries made of satin and fake palm trees attached to the support beams. So, like, all I'm hearing is, like, flammable shit. Yes. (laughs) Like, things made of polyester that are going to explode. That love to burn. Yep, exactly. And I'm probably, like, all, like, dingy lights, like, (laughs) sticking onto things and, like, little string lights and things like that. It's like a like a rattly college dorm room that mm-hmm. somebody set up with like a bunch of tapestries from Urban Outfitters and like sh- Christmas lights they got at CVS that yes. they're not checking. Candles they're not really allowed to have, but they're always cool. Yeah, that's exactly what my room liked looked like. Oh yeah, um, in college you were there. You lived with me. I was my room, room too. Uh, you're like, no, I helped you set it up. Yep. <laughs> um, so one more thing to set the stage: the guy I mentioned before, Barney Molansky was a big cheap asshole who hired teenagers to work in the kitchen and would lock and bar doors so that people couldn't use emergency exits to get out of the restaurant without paying for their drinks. So he was like, oh, people are going to sneak out this way. So we need to make sure that people aren't sneaking out. That's going to come up again. I would think. Obviously. Um, (laughs) And I'm real bummed out there's so many teenagers there. One thing that's um, funny is that Wolanski was in Mass General Hospital the night of the fire because he had had a heart attack a couple days before. And so, at, like, he was at Mass Gen as hundreds of victims were, like, pouring in. And I imagine to the him hospital. just, like, pulling down his hat and, like, whistling as he leaves the door. Kind like, of. Do, 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 yeah. Do, do. So, what happened? What happened? On November 28th, 1942, the weekend of Thanksgiving that year, oh, there God. were about a thousand people dancing the night away at Coconut Grove. Just so you know, the building is zoned for about 500 people. Of course, of course. So, like, double the people. No, yeah, absolutely. That is legal to be there. But what is legal? (laughs) (laughs) Hey, he's friends with the mayor. I mean, yeah. At around 10.15, the first flames were spotted downstairs in the Melody Lounge. So, there is a story that got a lot of traction that there was a guy, maybe a soldier, who unscrewed a light bulb over in a corner hallway so he could, like, make out with his lady over mm-hmm. there. And then a young employee named Stanley was told to go put the light bulb back in. So he lit a match to see what he was doing and that he dropped the match. And that's where the fire started. Nobody thinks that that's, like, the firefighters were like, no. That's not what happened. <laughs> that's not what happened. It was probably due with wiring. Um, but that that story caught, oh. Oh, no, Allie. I caught flame. No. I didn't. I literally did not even mean to do that. Allison. I'm just bad and evil at heart. Yeah. And that naturally came out. Um, so, oh, but God. either way you slice it, whatever happened, um, the first flames were spotted just after 10 p.m. Waiters tried to douse the fire with water, but it instantly engulfed one of the fake trees 
And that led the fire up to the ceiling yeah. very fast. That's bad. Um, and it was a fake ceiling made for the lounge downstairs because they had kind of redone mm-hmm. all the rooms. So a lot of the ceilings and walls were like kind of walls, kind of ceilings. Um, and so the second that it hits that, it's all covered in like polyester fabrics, mm-hmm. tapestries, light. It bursts into flames. Oh my the gosh. entire ceiling is in flames. Within seconds. Um, And a fireball with, like, a lot of momentum behind it starts moving up the stairs um, into into the main dining rooms... And within five minutes, the entire nightclub is engulfed in flames. Oh within my God. five minutes. That's crazy. Um, yeah, I it's it's insane. So the one main exit this gets grim. <laughs> From this point on, Gosh. it's already grim, but just it gets grimmer. Um so the one main exit was a single revolving door. We don't see those, do we, usually? Usually that there has the to be a, a door next to it. Yeah. I wonder why that is, Sam. Hmm. I've never thought about it before, but Um, fuck me. Yes. Uh, So the only exit at the front was a revolving door. Um, And this is horrible. People were trying to get out so fast, but were dying so quickly due to the smoke and like the flames moving so fast that bodies started piling up in the revolving door and jamming the door. So that very quickly was not an exit. It's a nightmare. <laughs> Just like reading it, like that's bad. Um, so, and then this was also aided because the fire is increased by oxygen, right? Like it wants to find oxygen, so it kind of, in, like it it incinerates people in the doorway because like it's like getting pumped up by the oxygen oxygen coming in from outside, um, and. It was said that firefighters were burning their hands pulling the bodies out oh my because. Gosh that was, like, the level of heat that was coming off of the, um, building. Ugh. Which is awful. That's and awful. the other awful thing that I read was that some people were found, like, frozen at their tables, you know, sitting in their seats with their hands still on their drinks because the smoke overcame them so immediately that they just in- instantly just mm-hmm. succumbed to it. Which, again, I've always made clear, and I think you would too, that's what we would want. I don't want to burn alive. Yeah, I'd rather that. Have you seen the first scene in the Kate Blanchett Elizabeth movie? I have not. Well, they're burning Protestants. Great. It's Great very lifelike. Oh, God. And it's like a long scene, and it was upsetting. Clearly, it's really stuck with you. I know. So specific. Um, but, like, you hear them, like, screaming, and they're like, we're burning too slowly. Like, throw more wood on the fire. And I was like, what the fuck? Jesus. I think that I watched this with my aunt <laughs> because my aunt, I was visiting in my aunt in New York, and she had Netflix, but the old Netflix. So I was like, do you want to watch a movie? And she was like, I don't really have any DVDs. And I was like, that's fine. Like, what do you have? And she was like, well, I have this Netflix DVD (laughs) that I just got. And I was like, Kate Blanchett. I got in the mail. Hot as hell. Let's, let's do it. True. Um, and, and I remember watching that and being like, damn, it's crazy. (laughs) Um, so that happened in real life. Um, I mean, I guess it happened to those Protestants in real life. Yeah. I mean, that also happened. But they did that on purpose. This was an accident. Not chill. Not chill. Um, and that was Mary Queen of what's it called? No, Bloody Mary. Bloody who Mary. Did that. Who did that? Who we talked about? Yep. It all comes back. It all comes back. What were we talking about? Oh, okay. So the bodies are stuck in the door. Right. <laughs> so there's a thousand people in the club that night. I said. Uh huh. 
492 died. Oh my god. So like half. That's awful. It's horrific. Um it's it's just a nightmare. It's a literal nightmare. And the fire moved through the club at a remarkable, like almost unbelievable speed. Like immediately everything was just engulfed. Um, and however, there are a bunch of factors that made it even more of a nightmare. So we've already heard a couple. Mm-hmm. So um, first of all, it's the 40s. So all the usual stuff. No fire codes. Yeah. People don't care about the rules. Classic. I don't even know if fire alarms are invented yet, et cetera, et cetera. So we have that. And then the fact that there were twice as many people in the club as there were supposed to be. Yeah. Um, and also, like, they, they had no, like, lighting around exits. <laughs> there were no lit exit signs. Yeah. You know, there was no, like, floor light. You know, all this stuff you just don't think of uh-huh. that's there because, like, this actual incident happened. Mm-hmm. Um, and do you remember how I said that uh, old old Barney was obsessed with keeping people from sneaking out? Yeah. So the Boston Globe quoted a historian as saying, every way in and out of the building had something functionally wrong with it. Oh, my God. So they were either, like, broken and they hadn't fixed them yet or they were deliberately blocked um, so I, I think there was one or two exits that, um, employees managed to get open mm-hmm. and would kind of like try to direct people out to save them. Um, so thank goodness for that. Or yeah. it would have been a higher body count. The other thing is that one would assume that all the cheap fabric and decorations would have had a large effect on the speed of the fire. However, the Globe also stated much of the cloth and bamboo contained in the Melody Lounge and on the sides and lower walls of the stairway leading leading there from, I think they're from the fire, Mm -hmm. was in fact not burned at all. And the same is true of the carpet on the stairway, contrary to all usual fire experience. So it wasn't, it was just like moving really fast, but it wasn't moving by catching on to things. That's so weird. Um, So to this day, like people still don't fully understand why the fire spread so fast. Many of the people who died were not burned but just suffocated from the smoke or succumbed to the poisonous gas let off by the fire because the fire was burning like carcinogens yeah um so that contributed to the very high body count but you know it was just it's just awful but it's also like it has this air of mystery yeah that's true (laughs) um so they had to clear out a warehouse next door to make a makeshift morgue and it took days for people to identify their friends and loved ones which is also just so upsetting and crazy um but so this fire obviously had a huge impact on the city and the country and mm-hmm. struck fear into the hearts of everyone in terms of fire safety. However, it actually has a lot of interesting impact on the medical community, which I found really interesting. BostonFireHistory.org has some interesting info on this. So they say the treatment of burns and internal injuries on such a massive scale caused medical personnel to adopt newly developed methods of care. Some methods had been well tested, while others had not. The first recorded general non-test patients' use of penicillin to fight infection on burn victims occurred at MGH on December 2nd, 1942, so while people were still there being treated. A soft technique of treating burns was tried at MGH under the leadership of Dr. Oliver Cope by treating the affected skin areas with a solution of boric petroleum. Purple dyes were used at BCH to coat the skin and fight infection. Skin grafts were used to help in the healing process. In all, advances in burn treatment were made in four categories. Fluid retention, prevention of infection, treating respiratory trauma, skin service and surgical management, 
and it was discovered that many victims both at the scene and at the hospital succumbed to pulmonary edema. The edema was caused by breathing in toxic smoke and gases containing pyrolysis, which was caused by the burning of furniture and furnishings inside the grove. So that's that poisonous element. Yeah. So they actually did learn a, ton. a lot. Um, the other, a couple other things. Um, <clears throat> building codes were amended in the city and elsewhere. Revolving doors were outlawed. Later reinstated with when a revolving door is placed between two outward open <laughs> exit doors. Yeah. Um, exit doors were to be clearly marked, be unlocked from within, and free from blockage by screens, drapes, furniture, or business supplies. Use of non-combustible decorations and building materials was ordered, as was the placement of emergency lighting and sprinklers. Um, and there's a couple other things that came out of it. So I think I already mentioned penicillin, but some of the patients um, at, uh, I think, BCH rather than MGH, were um, some of the first humans to be treated with penicillin. Yeah. Which was a new antibiotic at the time, which is crazy. Oh, cool. Um, And the other thing is that at MGH, um, there was a study done on people who were at the scene about post-traumatic stress disorder, which actually really increased, like, there there was basically, like, it was kind of a thing at the time, Mm -hmm. but it's something that really helped to cement the science behind post-traumatic stress disorder. Um, which I think is really good considering they were about to have people coming back from war. Yeah, really. <laughs> um, but so that that's another thing that is sort of part of its legacy. Um, so that's some, those are some interesting, dare we say, good outcomes of the situation. And I think that everyone complains about how much red tape surrounds everything in professional settings or public buildings. Mm-hmm. And it's like, all right, would you rather die in a pile of innocent club goers? Yeah, just Jesus. take the extra signage on the door. Who cares? <laughs> And also, just in case anyone was wondering, the owner of the club did go to prison. Yay. But only for a few years because he was friends with the mayor. Boo. However, a lot of people blamed the teenage boy, again, whose name was Stanley. And, like, they said, like, it's not his fault, but, like, that got around. Oh, my God. (laughs) They're like, Stanley did this. Um, And he wasn't charged or anything. But he was also nowhere near old enough to be working there. He's probably, like, 14 years old. (laughs) So, like, bring it back to being Barney's fault. Yeah. Um, So that's that. And then currently, the side street of the club's entrance today, in today's world, 2020, um, has been renamed Coconut Grove Lane. So that that, that exists in Boston. So I will end with just one more exit excerpt from those good people at bostonfirehistory.org. I love who, who them. Who care very deeply about this. Yes. Uh, the lessons of the Coconut Grove are with us every day. Exits blocked or locked, smoking and use of matches, overcrowding, flammable materials within buildings, and a lack of sprinklers and smoke detectors. Hardly a person in Boston or New England during the 1940s could be found who did not have a friend or relative who wasn't at the Grove that night or had planned to go or had left before the fire started. Or wasn't affected by this tragedy. Wow. So that's Coconut Grove. Wow. I had no idea about this. I had absolutely never heard of it before. Yeah. I would have remembered something like this if I had Mm -hmm. heard of it before. And I absolutely had not heard of it before. I think I came across it in like a list of bizarre Mm -hmm. historical tragedies, which I comb for the show. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) But it's part of our local history. So, so there you go. Wow. Um, Very sad, but like, how sad is it if it happened like six years ago? It's still sad. It's still sad. But But I mean, good that now we're like, hey, let's let people leave clubs if they want to. Agreed. You know? (laughs) Agreed. Let's let them live. Well, thank you so much, Allie, for taking us through that. I, you're, I'm the same as you. I'd literally never heard of that before. Right. So that's so interesting yeah. and awful. Chris, Chris said he'd heard of it. Interesting. And I was like, did you really hear of it? But he writes the news. Yeah. 
In Boston. He is the news. And I quoted the Boston Globe just now, so. So there you go. Maybe he wrote that. Maybe he did. I think it was from the 80s. <laughs> well. Uh, well. I like to think of Chris as immortal. Um, Sam, give me that nerd culture. Yes, it's I been at least it. a couple episodes since I got really dweeby, but we're back, baby. Thank goodness. So if you are a denizen of the internet, you might have heard of the Snyder Cut, or of the hashtag, hashtag release the Snyder Cut. <gasps> But what is the Snyder Cut? Should it be released? Today I will tell you, but the quick answer is something stupid and no. Right. (laughs) Good to know. We could end the episode here, but I won't. (laughs) (laughs) You never do the things we ask, Sam. (laughs) It's a threat to you guys. So the Snyder Cut is what the internet has dubbed a version of the 2017 Justice League movie, which was fully realized by its original director, Zack Snyder. The Snyder cut of that movie. To understand what it is, we kind of have to go back into pre-production of this movie, and even back to Batman v Superman, Dawn of Justice. Seriously? Yep, we're going back. Oh, God. So Zack Snyder is the big architect of the DC Extended Universe, which is like what they call their movies. We thought he was going to do a good job with it. We really did. People trusted him. They did. Um, He directed Man of Steel and Batman v Superman, and he has a producer credit on Wonder Woman, the only good DCEU movie. Mm -hmm. Um, And he was a popular choice because he directed 300 and Watchmen, which were both like very manly, comic booky movies. Watchmen was good, I thought, though. Yeah, I've never seen 300, but I saw Watchmen, and I thought that was kind of good and kind of long. Little male gazy. Yeah. But what are you going to (laughs) do? What can you do? So he's very popular amongst fanboys for comics and kind of like that style of filmmaking if you can think of it that that way but man of steel and batman v superman dawn of justice are not considered good nope nope (laughs) i would argue that is because they are in fact bad but fans of Zack snyder say that reviewers just didn't get it they say that fans love these movies reviewers are just biased against them for some reason i don't think that that's true though i don't think that that's true either ali but fans don't say that but fans say that Who's saying that? People who just love Zack Snyder. So we cut to the making of Justice League. It is originally supposed to be two movies, Justice League Part 1 and Justice League Part 2. And then in 2016, they're like, it's just going to be one movie. It's just going to be Justice League. (laughs) I don't know what to tell you. (laughs) Batman v Superman is not doing very well, so. Literally. We thought everyone would like Suicide Squad, but here we are. Oh, God. (laughs) Though Birds of Prey looks pretty good. I know. I want Birds of Prey to be good. I kind of want it to be good, too. And I'm thinking it might be kind of like a a sleeper hit. Right? That's what I want. We'll check back in with you guys after Birds of Prey comes out. So, we um, start a different podcast just for all our movie reviews. We really should. I think uh, we people do not would like time. it. I do think they'd like it, though. <laughs> <clears throat> so, Justice League has a troubled production period. Uh, during filming, it's reported that rewrites are causing issues with Warner Brothers executives. Warner Brothers is very unsatisfied with how the film is shaping up under Snyder. And because of all the negative feedback from the theatrical version of Batman v Superman, like, they're just like, we don't know if we trust this guy's vision anymore. This feels a lot like those other movies that didn't end up being good. Mm. What are we going to do? It is reported that Warner Brothers held a footage summit for a bunch of writers, including Joss Whedon, Wonder Woman writer Alan Heinberg, Seth Graham Smith, and Andrea Berloff. And that these writers kind of gave their feedback and it caused numerous rewrites as Justice League was filming. Then it gets done filming and a brief reshoot period is planned. Um, And reshoots that are like brief are very normal. So like just having a reshoot period is not a red flag. Then something totally tragic happens. 
happens, which is that Zack Snyder's teenage daughter passes away very unexpectedly. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. And so because of that, Zack Snyder steps away from the film before reshoots. He's like, I obviously have to be spending time with my family right now. Yeah. So he's just kind of like, I got to go. I'll see you. When Zack Snyder makes the decision, he thinks the reshoots are going to be the boring type of reshoots where you just kind of like fix eye lines. You maybe edit things a teeny bit for making them clearer. You maybe adjust the C plot, but like boring. But Warner Brothers takes Zack Snyder leaving the project as an opportunity to do some more radical reshoots because they had already been worried about if it was going to be good or not. And so for this reason, they end up hiring Joss Whedon, who had done the first two Avengers movies for Marvel, and they had been both massive hits um, to varying degrees. So Joss Whedon and Zack Snyder have very different styles and senses of humor, and the film takes a very different tone at this point. If you see Justice League, which I have, it is very easy to tell where jokes have been inserted by Whedon or when Whedon got rid of a B-plot that Zack Snyder was setting up. Um, The most notable thing is also the worst, Henry Cavill's upper lip. (laughs) Elaborate. (laughs) Oh, I will. And I love Henry Cavill. I'm very attracted to him, but it's the worst part of the movie. I'm not attracted to him. Uh, We can agree to disagree. (laughs) So I don't understand how you can find, like, perfect-looking men attractive. I know. That's a disagreement we have. That's a disagreement that we have. I just think I'm never going to really interact with them, so why not just... But objectify them a little, you no, know? No, I objectify them, but, like, you're physically attracted to them. Like, you look at them and you feel, you feel feelings. I guess so. I'm not like, it's gonna did. happen. No, 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 it's not about, no, but no, But I'm no. like, I, You know gorgeous. what, I, I don't want to interrupt this, but I do think that this is worth talking about. <laughs> I think that this is something that um, two, two very intelligent women should talk about. It's just like, like, uh, it's not about, is it gonna happen? It's yes. not about probability. Uh-huh. It's like, when you look at a person and you're like, and that happens with Adam Driver, and we're really confused about that. It really it's is. It's upsetting to us because we don't get it. We feel like we have no control over it. It's very 60-40 if he's hot or But, rock. like, that doesn't ha- Like, when I'm looking at, like, a perfect-looking man, like Henry Cavill or, like, uh, who's the beautiful gay one? So many. <laughs> with the eyes. Matt Bomer. Matt Bomer. Or, like, you know what I mean? Like, Ken-looking men? Yes. I just don't feel anything. Interesting downstairs. Do you know what I'm saying? I guess I guess so, but I'm always like I would. And you, I guess you wouldn't. I would just be like get out. <laughs> <laughs> if they approached me sexually, I'd be like keep it moving, Buster. <laughs> I wouldn't I'm not interested. All right, fair enough. And not cuz I'm like too good for them cuz I'd just be like no, like this isn't right. I, no, I don't want it. I don't want <laughs> That's not what you're for Ugh. for me. Fair enough. It's not me putting myself down. It's just, like, I look at that, and it's more like a, a beautiful... It's like a painting. Like, cake or painting. Yeah, or, but you don't want to fuck a painting. No, I don't. That's fair. I don't want to fuck a beautiful French pastry. That's fair. I do I'll, a little I'll bit. look at it. Yeah, well... It's <laughs> the difference between you and I. That, yeah. One of, the, <laughs> one of the few differences, honestly. Um, all right. I'm glad we sorted that out. All right. Back to Henry Cavill's upper lip. So after Justice League wrapped its principal photography... Um, Henry Cavill started shooting the new Mission Impossible movie. And for that movie, he needed a mustache. He looks great with a mustache, by the way. (laughs) Then he gets pulled back into these Justice League reshoots, which are way more than anyone had really been thinking they would be. But Mission Impossible is very clear that contractually, Henry Cavill cannot shave his mustache. And Warner Brothers is like, but he can grow back the mustache. And Mission Impossible is like, absolutely not. 
he cannot shave his mustache or he will be in contempt of our contract. And Henry Cavill's like, I can't shave my mustache. Like, I don't know what to say. And they're like, you're Superman. You can't have a mustache. Superman is clean shaven. And he's like, I have to have this mustache. So <laughs> are we going to let Superman just have a mustache? Yes. No. Okay. <laughs> Instead, what happens is that they digitally recreate Henry Cavill's upper lip. And they the effect. Didn't. I didn't see this movie. Oh my God, Ali. They didn't do this. It's horrible. It looks like a nightmare every time he speaks <laughs> or smiles. And it really shows That's you awful. how much of the Superman stuff was reshot by Whedon. That's true, because that's like telling you, like, if you see his upper lip and it's fucked up. Yeah. It's like, it's that's like, when Whedon got in the weeds. There's like two scenes where Henry Cavill looks normal hot. And then like, all of a sudden, he's got like his weird fucking upper. It looks, it's a nightmare, I'm Allie. Googling it. Oh, it's awful. It's awful. And you're not even seeing it in motion. Oh, my God. In motion, it's even worse. It's bad. It's really bad. I thought we were beyond this as as a CGI community, you know? Oh, wow. It's really oh, bad. Yeah. It looks, it's very, like, Uncanny Valley, yeah. too, because it looks almost right. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't work for me. Um, yeah, I still have nightmares about the lip, though. although, again, it does not detract for me from how hot I find Henry Cavill. Call me, Henry. I'm not saying he's not objectively hot. I know it's you're just, not. I'm no I know you're not. It stirs the it stirs the pot. My pot is downstairs. Certainly. Why not? Really? I mean not I'm not I'm not on fire with it. But I'm also not an ice cube. <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm bone dry down there thinking <laughs> right, about him. Well, I enough. swear to God. And I could look at him and, and be like, I'm, yeah, he's and beautiful. I'm dipping a toe. What can I say? Alright, alright. Oh gross. <laughs> That is grosser than I meant. We shouldn't have a public <laughs> platform. That is what I'm realizing with every with every episode we air. Anyway, Justice League comes out. <laughs> Justice League is released, and surprise, it is bad. Uh, it has a 28% approval rating on Rotten Tomatoes. That's about right. Everyone agrees it's shitty. To me, it's not a surprise because I think all these movies have been bad. So I'm like, that is yeah. pretty uh, much on par with the other movies. But to people who maintain that Man of Steel and Batman v Superman are good, they are mystified why all of a sudden Justice League is bad. How could it be? The answer, of course, this movie is not Zack Snyder's true vision. If only we had the version that follows the movie Zack Snyder wanted to make. The Snyder Cut. If only there was a Snyder Cut. Oh, wow. And what exactly would be on the Snyder Cut? Well, a lot of stuff that we know for sure is different. Number one, there'd be more comic book characters. So characters like Iris West, Adam, Volko from Aquaman, Darkseid, and Martian Manhunter, among many others, were supposed to appear in this movie. And, like, you can actually see deleted scenes where, like, they cast someone as Iris West. Oh, wow. But those ended up on the cutting room floor because it was already a really packed movie. Number two, there'd be more DC lore in the Snyder Cut. So several scenes introducing and exploring mythologies of the three new characters to the DCEU, so that's Flash, Aquaman, and Cyborg, were removed from the theatrical cut. So in the Snyder Cut, quote-unquote, Flash briefly learned how to travel through time, and his relationship with Bruce Wayne is established as being, like, someone who is naive and excited versus someone who's experienced and jaded, and that, like, just barely exists in the cut of the movie that we got. Um, Cyborg was described as the heart of the original film, and they had scenes explaining his origin story. He, like, barely appears. He appears so little in, 
I know, which is a bummer because I love Cyborg back from Teen Titans. Yeah. But he, like, is the least important Justice Leaguer by far. Um, And then, like, it's Aquaman had more scenes explaining his backstory, but then they were just like, well, we're going to do Aquaman, so we can just (laughs) cut that. Number three, a very different Superman. Like I said, most of Henry Cavill's Superman scenes were reshot, and you can tell because of the lip. We have proof. (laughs) In the Snyder Cut... Superman's arc was supposed to be completed from all the way back in Man of Steel, so he would become a, quote, true Superman. Uh, what does that mean? I don't know. Doesn't make sense well, we to would me. have seen it. But Zack Snyder says he would have been the true Superman. Uh, and number four, Flashback City. So there would have been flashbacks illustrating Steppenwolf's first invasion of Earth against the Olympian old gods, the Amazons, the Atlanteans. The Green Lanterns would have been there. That sounds very Zack Snyder. There was going to be like a young version of Darkseid. And then like there was going to be a battle between Ares and Darkseid. And then there was going to be like just all these symbols and stuff that were explained in flashbacks that just end up like being symbols you don't understand when you see the movie. I I don't see how this is making it better. I think that's an excellent point, Allie. It's just making it there's more stuff. It, it might have been better, but I don't know. Like, yeah. Uh, and this and the stuff that he appears to be interested in is not the stuff that I had a problem with in the movie. No, you know I, was, what I, I mean? wasn't like more lore. Yeah, exactly. Again, I didn't see it, but No, but trust me, you wouldn't have been <laughs> yeah, like we need from more. From the lore. media that what it was described. Yeah, to me this just seems like it would be more confusing. But fans insist that the Snyder Cut would have been amazing and it would have fixed everything. Maybe they just want to say that, though. I know. I know they do. So immediately after the theatrical release of Justice League, fans created an online petition to release the Snyder Cut, and it gained more than 180,000 signatures. Um, The movement started this hashtag, release the Snyder Cut, on social media, um... And they start doing this before they have any idea that a cut of Snyder's true vision of Justice League might exist or not. Like, they're just like, if only we had that. But we don't know if that exists. Then, Zack Snyder's like, oh, it exists, all right. And he tweets out a picture of, like, a bunch of rolls of film that it would create a three and a half hour long movie that would be Zack Snyder's Justice League. Nerds love that. I know they do. So Zack Snyder is loving the release, the Snyder Cut moment, and he's, like, been tweeting and Instagramming in support of the release of his vision of Justice League kind of since the movement got up and running. He's a big fan. And members of the movement, unfortunately, because of the internet, have been described as toxic (laughs) for harassing, threatening, and cyberbullying those who express opinions about the Snyder Cut that are contrary to their beliefs. So, um... It's just been a nightmare for so many people. So, for example, in September of 2018, former DC Entertainment president Diane Nelson deleted her Twitter account in response to the substantial online harassment by members of the Release the Snyder Cut movement. So she's just not on Twitter anymore. And Brennan Katz of The Observer said that the movement is composed of both toxic DC fans that hurl vitriolic harassment at any and all opposition and supportive moviegoers that genuinely enjoy Snyder's style and are just hoping to see the conclusion of the trilogy he began with 2013's Man of Steel. As with any contingent, they are both extremists and level-headed individuals within its ranks. That's fair. But the extremists are bullying people off Twitter. That's wrong. Yeah. 
And now, the Snyder Cut, it's back in the news, Allie. It kind of dumbed down for a while Yeah, ago. I was like, why are you talking about this now? Like, <laughs> She's back, baby. Oh! So Gal Gadot, who plays Wonder Woman, Ben Affleck, who played Batman, but doesn't want to play him anymore. Now we're going to get uh, Battenson, Robert Pattinson, Batman. Oh. Jason Momoa, Aquaman, and Ray Fisher, Cyborg, all recently tweeted, like, one tweet, and it said, release the Snyder Cut, and then it was, like, a black and white image of them from that movie. <gasps> from their, oh, like, coming, personal then. accounts. Exactly. A lot of people think that this was, like, a total PR thing, because, like, Gal Gadot, for example, like, she never tweets personal stuff. Like, it's very clearly her Twitter is run by her PR person. Yeah. So that would not have gotten tweeted from her account unless it was some kind of thing. Yeah. And so what a lot of people think this means is that the Snyder Cut is going to be released onto the new HBO Max streaming service that Ooh, Warner Brothers owns. I bet it is. Yeah. And it's like, that's going to be the way they get people to sign up for HBO Max is like, you've been begging for the Snyder Cut. Well, n- nerds, here it is. It's going to be so good. And here's the dumbest part. The Snyder Cut exists in that most of the footage that Zack Snyder wanted to put into the movie probably exists. But it doesn't exist in that, like, its special effects, specifically as Zack Snyder wanted them, don't. They didn't render those. That's something that happens after all the shooting is done. Right. So if they want to release the Snyder Cut so Warner Media can make all these millions on HBO Max, they are going to have to spend millions redoing all of the CGI and That's all true. of that stuff for this movie that was already a flop just because they think that nerds are going to be into it. That's not going to happen. They're, they wouldn't do that. I think they would. I think clearly that's kind of what they're hinting to. How else are they going to beat Disney Plus? How else can they possibly beat Disney Plus? But it just stuff like this. A fool's errand. <laughs> um, stuff like this gets me mad because I feel like more and more because Twitter and social media exist, like a lot of it's really good. But I worry that people are learning bad lessons of like, well, if I shout loud enough, I get my way. And like, it also happened with like the Sonic movie, the original like images of Sonic were a nightmare, admittedly. But then like the studio pushed back the release and forced all their animators to reanimate the entire movie for Sonic to look cuter. And then they like laid off all their animators right after because it had cost so much money. That's a problem. And now also with Star Wars Rise of Skywalker, people are saying there's a J.J. cut. And there's really a version of Rise of Skywalker that's J.J. Abrams' true vision. And it's so much better than what we got. That's not the issue, though. The issue is that J.J. Abrams didn't do the second one. Mm -hmm. And then he tried to act like the second one, which admittedly had flaws, never happened. Yeah. And just skipped over all of that. Yeah. And just tried to make two movies. But... If I bought my complete Star Wars on DVD and I was a person who like really believed in this JJ cut and then they released the JJ cut for me, do you think I'd shell out and buy that DVD? I probably fucking would. Of course I fucking would. I would pay any amount of money to see that. (laughs) Obviously, Sam. But it's not the problem. Exactly. It's not going to hurt. It's not going to fix the hurt. Exactly. In my heart. And so it's just this weird thing of like nerds refusing to be, to accept the movie they get. Studios taking advantage of that to get more money out of the nerds. Nerds screaming at people when they don't like things. Like, there's just a lot of grossness here that can kind of radiates around the Snyder yeah. Cut. But it's funny because it's that same thing which holds grossness accountable a lot of the time. Yeah. So it's like, if a studio is doing something blatantly wrong, oftentimes, like, 
the media, and honestly, like, I get it, like, the the New York Times, the Boston Globe can't come out Mm -hmm. and say, you know, things that are based in opinion and biased about things like, well, there's a way that they can, so that's, that's one thing, but, like, you know, sometimes you, you need this outrage as this isn't progressive enough, this isn't, this doesn't have adequate representation Mm -hmm. of our communities, like, in this film, or in this TV show, or on this network, like, Mm -hmm. that often is the tipping point to get, you know, and it's, it's not some pawn, it's, like, genuinely enough people care, and they finally have a way to say it. Yeah. And that's great. Yes. But this is stupid. Yes. But you can't have one without the other. I know. It's so hard. So that's the Snyder Why Cut, Why won't guys. incels get off Twitter? Amen. My question. Amen. Go back to 4chan where you Go belong. back to 4chan and stay there <laughs> like the Titans under the gate at the end of Hercules. Exactly like that. Oh, I can't stop talking about Disney. You and me picking them up in a tornado, whipping them into the stars. That's us. That's what happens That's us, baby. Yeah. But so keep an eye out, you guys. When they launch um, HBO Max through Warner Media, like if they're advertising some special new version of the Snyder Cut, just know that it's because enough fanboys screamed. And you know, if it comes out, we will watch it. Oh, I mean, of course I will. (laughs) And we will talk about it. (laughs) Thank you so much, Sam. Thank you. Bring the good word to our people. I just like to tell you about what people are yelling about on the internet. The Lord's work, week in and out you do. Oh my goodness. (laughs) Oh. Thank you, Allie, for actually educating us about something that really happened and matters. Oh, yeah, but it wasn't anything that, like, helps anyone think about different things ethically. It's just, like, a bunch of people burned in a fire, and it was terrible. So, sorry. (laughs) Happy commute. (laughs) Have a good Monday. Happy Monday. Everyone, yeah, the people who are like, I, like, I always listen to this on my commute, like, and I'm like, I find that, honestly, like, so flattering. It makes me want to cry. It's very sweet. But it's also, like, I'm so sorry. (laughs) Yeah, this is a weird tone to set If you're about to go to work... I mean, watch a couple of, like, RuPaul's Drag Race clips before yeah. you go in. Watch, like, one, uh, starring I, yeah. Trixie and Katja. I don't, I don't want to put you in this place. <laughs> don't come for me. No. And we love you. Oh, so much. And follow us on Twitter at I'm Horrified Pod. Please. Send us your stories at I'm Horrified Podcast at gmail.com. Yes. And until next week, we hope you stay horrified. Stay horrified. Stay horrified.